Press racing towards it. Press scores! The equalizer from Kristen Press. 47 career goals. Look at this. One touch takes the defender right out of the play. And as easy as you like. And it's 1 1. Christian Press, you are a star. What's good, and welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle. We're a little sad. Y'all know why. Courtney, how are you doing? I'm down bad. That's the only You know, we, we said we were down, down bad, bad last episode. We down real bad. I'm like as down bad as I think this is possible to be at this moment. Like, I'm just, I'm so down bad. Like, I just gutted. Just gutted. You know what? I think that's a perfect phrase for it. Sometimes the English and some of the like weird things that they say, we like to laugh at it and make fun of them. Like I was looking at the list of like the, where, where uh, teams that are going to be in the Euros, their home bases. And I was looking at some of the names of the places and I'm like, y'all, these aren't real places. Yeah. (laughs) These aren't real. Uckfield. Get out of here. Stop it. (laughs) Stop playing with me. Nobody lives in Uckfield. There's not a real place, but uh, this is where something like gutted. Yep. That describes it. Cause it ain't just down bad. It ain't just hurt or sad or anything. Straight up gutted, gutted. I'm so gutted. <laughs> I'm so down bad. Cause also it's like you know that phrase from what is it from Ted Lasso maybe? Where it's like it's the hope that kills you. It was like I don't know. She's kind of walking. She has a brace on her knee. Right. But like I don't know. There were some people doing some uh <laughs> like forensic analysis, and I was like, <laughs> I think it's a strain. And I was like, okay, I can kind of get behind that. I can get behind a strain and then just the hammer fell. Hammer yeah. slammed down. I sure did. I text her group chat saying, no, 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 no. This cannot <laughs> happen. I probably sent 15 text messages in 25 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I texted everyone I knew. Yeah. It was like when, when I saw it, I think my, my tweet was just a bunch of no's. Just nope, nope, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't want this. Don't like this. And then, like, you're right. Like, afterwards, we saw it, and we were like, all right, well, you know, I've seen this before. Sometimes it's not as bad as you think, you know? Sometimes it's, like, six to eight weeks, and then you're looking at, okay, little recovery period. It's going to be a month or two, but fine. Like, that's all right. And then saw the tweet, and it was like, no, no, why? I was also, like, the revenge tour. That's Every- what I was saying. I was, like, getting into team villain. I was, like, excited for it. Yeah, so you know, shout, shout, before we move on, I want to shout out to Nikita because this is what we're going we're going to do. This is what we're going we're going to talk about it, but we also are not going to just be sad about it because there is going to be recovery, there is going to be a comeback, and it's going to be great. Nikita's already dubbed it a uh, crypto banana on Twitter. CP two o two three. That's what we're going with. So that's the comeback. We're, we're we are hyped for it, although we're down bad and gutted and sad right now. Look, twenty twenty three also. The year of the World Cup. Facts. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big year. Listen, we we gonna get into it. I already wrote about it and I talked about it on the Equalizer podcast with Vlatko. Quit playing. Uh before we get too far into that. I think about that one tweet where someone responded to one of our tweets. Come outside, we ain't gonna jump you. Right. Yeah. Made no promises. <laughs> but uh but all right, before we get up we're gonna we're gonna take a break a breath a breath right now. And we're going to continue on with the podcast because we got some things to talk about. 
Um, but first, before we do that, we always talk, hit up a review, read a review on the podcast. We love it when y'all rate and review the podcast. Please do that if you haven't. Y'all really, like I said last podcast, like last episode, y'all killed it with the jokes, the dad jokes, and leaving the reviews. Who knew that that prompt was going to do it? But uh, we absolutely love y'all for it. Um, this one is a great, great uh, review. I don't think there's a dad joke in here, but there is something that I'm going to, you know, eye roll at, but that's fine. It's fine. I understand. You had to make the joke. I get it. The joke uh, is, is hilarious. It, <laughs> it uh it'll never it'll never not be relevant. Uh so no matter what happens. Uh this is from Angel City Slicker is the user. Uh title says get this podcast in your ear holes. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've uh, been reading the descriptions on that one. Thank you. Uh Review Reads, one of the dopest podcasts, regardless of genre, but an absolute must listen if you care about soccer. Andre and Courtney are elevating and pushing Moso discourse to heights previously unknown. It's a big, 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 big statement. Uh, this podcast is rapidly increasing in stature and stands tall among the other podcasts in the Moso space. Lastly, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. And Kat Macario only played seven minutes in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part that kills me when i read it just i was like okay six four seven seven eight nine and then like boom the dagger yeah right all right only played seven minutes we'll never forget never never forget you say hashtag never forget there's that and then we we got another one to add to the list but we already talked about that and gonna talk about that a little more uh plus little treat for y'all we got it uh we're gonna spread this across multiple podcasts uh just a little hint teaser to speak um all right so in this episode uh we are going to preview the summer of international women's soccer and then we're going to dig into all things u.s women's national team with just a little bit of nwsl sprinkled in so uh courtney should we just get right to it let's get into it all right let's do it all right and we are back before we dig into it we got to send some healing vibes because if you don't, if you haven't learned this, I'm very sorry to be breaking this news to you right here. But Chris and Press, our goal god, our personal 2021 U.S. Women's National Team Player of the Year, the goal god, Chris and Press has torn her ACL. We're going to dig into that one later, but it's, it, it's the reason why we were down bad at the beginning. And I just had to remind everyone, very sorry to do that. We're adding her to our sick and shut-in list. Uh, and sending her many, many, all the healing <laughs> vibes. And also, if you didn't see her tweet, send her all the photos of dogs. She loves them, but she's also my fave. I personally sent her a photo of my childhood dog. Uh, for some reason, we put my dad's glasses on my dog, Randy. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> it makes absolutely no. I. It makes no sense why we put the glasses on Brandy. She's literally. Oh, Such Brandy. I thought you said oh. Randy, and I was like, that is straight up, straight up, like, white dude. Why did you name your dog Randy? <laughs> no, we named her Brandy, and she was a diva, and genuinely has some of the funniest stories of all time. Um, but yeah, for some reason, you know, I can't even say kids, because we did this when I was, like, 17. For some reason, we just put my dad's glasses on her, and it was, like, the funniest little thing. Um, so <laughs> send photos of your dogs to Chris and Press. Send her all the healing vibes, all the love, all the prayers. Because, look, when she come back, you know this podcast is about to blow up, like, already. But it's going to super blow up. Uh, so, yeah, sending many healing vibes to Chris and Press. Um, we want to shout out some summer tournaments and some of the players uh, that you will see in these tournaments, at least from the NWSL. Um, first off, and it's, like, really the summer of women's soccer. Well, 
It's all the summer of women's soccer, but the summer of women's international soccer, especially. Uh, so there's a bunch of international tournaments going on. We got Copa America out of Conmebol. We have the OFC Women's Nations Cup, uh, which is out of Oceania. Uh, we also got the AWF Con featuring friends of the pod, Ifiana Manu and Estelle Johnson, who were called up into Nigeria and Cameroon, respectively. Also for some NWSL players to keep an eye on. We also have Michaela Bam, who's playing for Cameroon. And Michelle Alusi also playing for Nigeria. And Andre, you know why I'm really excited about this tournament? Unless it's being shot on an iPhone 3, <laughs> which did happen for some of the qualifiers. Sure did. <laughs> Literally yeah, being shot rough. on iPhone 3. Uh, one thing that I'm really excited about, besides the fact that Nigeria almost beat Canada in the February international break, Canada had to get a very, very late equalizer to tie them. I'm also real, real excited for the Oshawala Kanu. Anumanu front three. Yo. No, it won't necessarily be in that order, but it rhymed at the end, which is why I like it. <laughs> that front three, I'm real excited. Listen, it ain't no exaggeration to say that's one of the best front threes in the world. Like, that is wild. Absolutely wild. I think they, they could give anybody, any backline, a whole lot of problems. So that is going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I really hope that it's very easy to watch these games um, because not only do the athletes deserve it, but also there's going to be some absolutely wild soccer things going on. And I'm very, very excited to watch, but moving on another summer tournament coming up are the euros. I'm it's going to be lit. First of all, I'm going. What? If you're, yeah, I didn't know I that. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to the euros. Uh, obviously for those who don't know, I work for <sighs> CBS. So I'm first going to CONCACAF W championship. Oh, you're living all, my, my life. My fights, <laughs> my fights better not get messed up. Uh oh. Because I'm literally flying from Mexico back to New York, and then I might do something deeply chaotic and like give myself like seven hours and then fly straight to England. Oh, you're wilding, but I respect it. I respect it's, it. I bought the tickets and I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta do something <laughs> crazy. And I'm doing something crazy. Uh, still looking for tickets to the. Uh, the final if anyone knows if anyone has tickets or knows how i can get a ticket not from a third party because i heard that you will not get you will not get in if you get a ticket from a third party um but if any listeners of the pod know any way that i can go and get a good ticket, technically three tickets for that final that'd be <laughs> greatly appreciated because i'm also <laughs> for um ashna and my older brother who's also coming so yes i'm very very excited it's gonna be lit i'm just gonna have a good time yeah. uh especially seeing what I'm seeing two or three of the four quarterfinals, both semifinals, and then I'm trying to get a ticket to the final. Mm, um, that's crazy. I'm so jealous right now. Like I said, I'm mad at you, but I'm really happy for you, but I'm also <laughs> mad at you. Like all of it at the same time. It's just going to be a really good time. And then after that, I'm actually taking a vacation because I've been bullied by literally all of my friends saying, Courtney, if you don't take time off <laughs> and not like, okay, you're not working, but you're going to go watch soccer, like, no, go sit on a beach for five days and let your brain melt a little bit and then come back to work. Uh, so I'm being bullied to take a vacation, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, but yeah, very excited for the Euros. Um, going to be some really good, going to be some really good games. I hope we know that Portugal is now in instead of Russia, which means we get yeah. to see Jessica Silva. Which mm -hmm. I'm very excited about just ball out. Yeah. I've been real hyped for the Euros. It's almost like when the end of like the WSL, like the end of all the like European leagues were, were going, like the last, I, I know the, you know, the WSL went to the last day. And of course, because we're both Chelsea fans, we were losing our minds uh, and being real stressed. 
but like towards like the last couple weeks, I was just like, all I can think about is the Euros. Like, every time a player who I expect to do well in the Euros did something, I was like, save it, save it. <laughs> like, like the Euros are going to be so dope. So I'm like really, really hype about this. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. You got a dark horse? Ooh. I mean, France is not a dark horse, but I feel like because of their coach, they feel like a dark horse. <laughs> if you see them on paper, you're like, Can they Courtney, overcome their coach? Fair. Courtney, they're not a dark horse, but I'm also like, can they overcome their coach? Maybe we'll know. <laughs> Maybe we won't. We don't know. Um, no, but honestly, thinking off the top of my head, um, I think a potential dark horse pick could be Italy. Italy's just kind of been, you know, like, actually, I don't know how many of our listeners, you know, regularly watch uh, Serie A Femenil, but I feel like they have some really good players. They've been really growing as a program. They could, like, very much try to put two and two together. We saw them go, like, like thinking about how they were playing in the 2019 World Cup. Um, I think that could definitely be a dark horse pick. Or it's, I don't know, it's so hard because I feel like for so many of these teams, like, we're so used to them being dominant. You know, if we think of like Germany, uh, Sweden, like, I mean, truly at times France, the Netherlands, like the Netherlands was at the 2019 World Cup final. Like they're it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's kind of hard to pick a dark horse. But yeah, if I'm going number one dark horse, it's probably Italy. Maybe as a second, I would do Norway. Oh, also, you took oh yeah, mine. Otis back. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a dark horse too. Yeah, that Norway team is low key stacked. That low that that team is wild, and actually, it's wild because they're outside of the top ten in free FIFA rankings too. Just outside, they're eleventh, but still, I mean, they're outside the top ten, and that's kind of wild. Another low key one though, and honestly, their shirts are dope, both of them. So I'm gonna be like a, a lot of the kits that dropped were really dope. But Finland dropped Those a couple of really fire. dope ones. Yeah, and actually, I think their team's pretty good too. Like, do I think they can make it to the final? No, but I think they can make some noise. They're gonna be hard. They're going to be able to take out. Yeah, that's really true. And honestly, so many of these groups are hard. Like, you know, like group, thinking about, for example, Group D. Group D is France, Italy, Belgium, and Iceland. Oof. <laughs> like, honestly, a lot of these groups are hard. I mean, I can quickly read the groups. Everyone, Group A is England, Austria, Norway, and Northern Ireland. Group B is Germany, Denmark, Spain, and Finland. Also a hard group to get out of thinking about Pernilla harder. Uh, group C is Netherlands, Sweden, Portugal and Switzerland. Oof. So it's like, <laughs> look, I'm just saying. Yeah, the groups are nasty. This torn- torn- <laughs> England and Norway late. is going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Look, it's it's really going to be a good time. Uh, I'm very very excited. So yeah, I think yeah, sleeper pick. I mean, now that I really convinced myself from Norway, but also I'm saying don't sleep on Italy. I think that's a fair pick. I really do. I think Italy has done a lot to shock in both club. But also when we've seen their national team play, they're they got some ballers and they will sneak up on you and they'll get a goal and then just completely shut you down. Oh yeah, they one hundred percent will. They will take that bus. I mean, instead of parking the bus, I think it's parking several Vespas. Oh, that's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. A wall of Vespas. Um, <laughs> wall of Vespas. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm so excited for this. Really am. Absolutely thrilled. Um, do wish I can't lie that they picked bigger venues like. Yeah. There's only a few it's like fair. very big venues, and I'm like, I don't know. I've, I've been listening to the there's a book called the Women's National Team, I think it's called, about the U.S. the history of the U.S. Women's National Team. I've been listening to it on audiobook, 
and this is a small t- detour, so get ready. Um, but I've been listening to it on audiobook, and it was crazy talking. They were talking about the planning of the 99 World Cup and how, like, FIFA wanted them to play in, like, 15,000-seat venues. And it just, like, took a lot of convincing. Actually, by it was really pushed by, like, one of the key um, players in this was actually Marla Messing, which is, like, I heard that, and I was like, oh, yes, she, oh, she wow. did do that one thing. <laughs> um, but Marla Messing, like, really had a big hand in this. And so people wanted them to play in like, you know, 10, 15,000, like super small venues. Um, Cause that's also what the, the 95 world cup that was played. I'm pretty sure it was in uh, Sweden was being played in like super small venues as well. So, but for the 99ers are like soccer's growing. They obviously, they saw everything from the 1996 Olympics when the uh, women's soccer was first brought into the tournament, made it an Olympic sport. And they honestly just like, kind of bet on themselves and were like we think we can do this we also have a backup plan where they were like oh for not getting a lot of like ticket sales then we'll just like have a concert before it and then like hopefully have those people stay for the game but when they showed up to like that first when the u.s national team showed up to that first game at giant stadium they were like literally in traffic and like almost missed the game because the like it was just a wall-to-wall traffic trying to get to the Meadowlands. Who knew? Who People knew? Like women's soccer. Oost. That's Oost. all I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't know a ton about the um the stadiums and stuff in England, but like there was truly only a few stadiums that I like really recognized. And I'm like, I think you can fit more fans in there. I promise you can. The only thing I'll say, and I, I agree, I think you should always go high with the venues. And I think if you do what you're supposed to do, market the hell out of it. I think in and just like what you just, you know, what you just detailed as far as red, like you can do other things to make like to promote the games on that day, have a concert, do something else, you know, create events around, you know, the game as the main event to draw people in. Of course, it costs money, but you get that back if you fill the stadium. So I think it's important to be able to be creative about these types of things. But also, you know, I think they may have got, I don't know, I don't know when they made the final decisions on all of this stuff. They probably did it before um, last summer, but I know I was concerned, not last summer, but before the, um, when, when was our, our Lord and Savior, Arnold Clark, um, Arnold Clark. February. <laughs> yeah. I, it's some, the non-England games were not attended very well. Um, and I know it was only like Canada, Brazil. So it's not like Europeans were really going to show up for that. So I get it, but I don't, I don't know, maybe they were a little hesitant about the history of like non-English teams in England, but still, I feel like this is a big tournament. This is the Euros. I think you absolutely should put like a minimum cap on like the size of the stadiums and, and make sure you sell those things out because I really believe you can. Like fans are going to travel for this. Like not to shade Manchester City, even though I can't lie, I kind of enjoy doing it, but like one of the <laughs> venues is Manchester City Academy Stadium. That has a yeah, max that, yeah, capacity nah. of 7,000. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. Come on. Like, <laughs> didn't we see also, like, I don't know. It, to me, it's obviously like you're kind of, you want to think about Arnold Clark, but I also think about like, all right, how many people were in stadiums in France as like kind of a comparable thing? And yeah, you have people from all around the world, but like, we know that um, like France showed up. Too. Yeah. And like, we know that France showed up for their team. We know that the Netherlands rolled real deep in terms of like supporters going to support the team. Like, I don't know. Some of them are, you know, bigger stadiums like that I immediately recognize from the Premier League, like and FA Cup, you know, there's Wembley, um, 
they're playing at like Brentford Stadium, which is a little bit smaller, but you know, better than seven thousand. Like playing Old Trafford, St. Mary's, Bramall Lane, but also I'm like, guys, Manchester City Academy Stadium, seven thousand. Yeah, that one's a silly one. That should not be on the list. Yeah. And like, okay, they picked it for Belgium versus Iceland, but like, I don't know, I think I think more people show up. You also have to like <laughs> lean into Svendis. You can get seven thousand people to watch just her. Like, come on now. Like stop First playing. Of all, I would be all seven thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and but also like Italy versus Iceland. Like, I don't know. I think also because my older brother has been to he like loves to flex and just be like, Yeah, I'm at a World Cup. And I'm like, What? How did you I just Okay. But like also I feel like Runs they needed the family, to lean. Huh? All right. No, he is truly king of. <laughs> he literally FaceTimed me and I was watching Mo Salah play. And I was like, huh? huh? Wow. D- disappears, shows up and is like, hey, I'm doing this cool thing. And it's like, okay. All right. All right. All right. I got you. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like they also needed to lean into the fact that like, I think this soccer community in England, which like it's, I mean, soccer community, like an entire country, but like. I think people just show up to games because they like watching fun athletes and like watching good games. And so like, I feel like they also could have leaned in. Okay. Maybe we won't get like the biggest supporters group from Iceland, but like if you make the games accessible and they're, we know they're going to be fun people. And also the tickets are so cheap. They're so cheap. Like for one ticket, I'm literally sitting like, I think five rows behind the goal or something like that. And for my brother and I's tickets, it was like, I think, $40 together. Oh, that's bonkers. Like, the tickets wow. are so cheap. And it's like, people are going to fill up these stadiums. And, I mean, you can tell, like, a lot of these games are sold out. Um, or, like, you know, there are a good amount of people there. So, yeah, that's uh, my little detour about the Euros. But I'm very, very excited to go. I'm probably going to be deeply exhausted. Um, but it is 100% going to be worth it because I'm just like, Really hoping that I get to see my faves play in person. Like, let me, if I get to see Diani mm, yeah. or Katoto play see in person. Katoto goal. Yeah. If I, I'm, I'm jealous. Get a, I'm going to get a tattoo if I see Katoto <laughs> goal in person. <laughs> I will somehow tattoo part of myself being like, I was here for this moment. So, I yeah. I respect it. And I'm going <laughs> to hold you to that. You said it on the podcast. So, look, I, I hope it happens. We need it. Oh, my God. If that happens, I will, I will 100% tattoo myself. But <laughs> yeah, but we can, well, Andre, who do you think is going to pick a team to win? Who's your favorite? Oh God, that's so impossible. I mean, I, I think honestly, like you said, like, <laughs> I feel like if France had a halfway decent coach to me, it'd be them easy. Um, I know Sweden's difficult. They're going to be difficult. They're always difficult. Um, they're a very good team, very organized team. Um, the, they're a very good tactic. They're very good tactically as well because they've been playing together for a while and they have pieces that can do um, a variety of jobs uh, to really neuter an opposition. So like I'm I'm I am scared of Sweden, but I just like that France team should be talent wise. Uh, they they're to me, they're the most talented team in there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Diakri, we have no idea. Don't know. Don't know what you're going to going to be doing. Already not going to bring Amandine Henri. It's not smart. Not smart at all. Midfields are important. So yeah, so I don't I don't really know. But um yeah, I mean I, I'm gonna lean France against my better judgment. <laughs> I think the Spain team is very good but chaotic. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, now that um Jenny Hermoso is injured. Yep, Hermoso just got injured and she's out of the Euros, which is a big sad as well. But um that that changes a bit for them. 
uh, yeah, I think Netherlands is going to take some time. Uh, I, I know Mark Parsons is trying to do some things there, but I don't see it. England's always hilarious when they have a home tournament, so I'm, I'm expecting them to have like some good performance and then some downright hilarious things happen to them. Sorry, England. Um, I'm sorry. It's just the way it happens. Um, I mean, you remember the men's Euros. I mean, they, they, it was coming home and then it wasn't. Um, Look, but their coach is also can be do foolish things at times. I, I yes, I deeply believe in. I believe in Serena Wegman. I do I too. Believe, I think she's. I believe in her. You know, so like, yeah. What what was it during the um during the Arnold Clark Cup? She did some very interesting tactical things for England, and I think that's very good. And I'm hoping to see. Um, I saw a couple of photos of Fran Kirby in training too, so I'm hoping to see her um, with some substantive minutes throughout the Euros. So like, I am pulling for that England team. I just. Picking them to win is just something I'm not ready to do yet. I need to see it. <laughs> I, need to, I need to see it. So I'm probably just leaning towards France until that bites me because I know it will. Yeah. I I don't know. I think, I mean, hopefully in the grand scheme, besides gifting uh, the U.S. a rose gold medal at the Olympics, I believe in <laughs> Serena. And I don't know. I think... The England squad. Well, also to be fair with England, we still don't know who's made their final list yet. But yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say it's coming home because I'm like, ew. I hear that. I'm like, gross. Yeah, it's it's um, it's real cringy. But Stop I feel that, like, <laughs> but I feel like with the women's side, like they're, it's just gonna be they're gonna be gunning for it, and like also people like the supporters will go really hard. So yeah, maybe I'm like baby choosing. Don't do it. Just, just don't do it. Or you know you can go Sweden, which is like also completely possible. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're the safe pick. They're 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 probably not going to do anything crazy, you know. Like they're they're not going to have like a coach being ridiculous or like some inner, inner team turmoil or something. They're not going to be chaotic. You kind of know what to expect. But then again, like to me, as much as I like a lot of the Swedish players, it's still like the style is a little boring for me sometimes. Um, so you know, and they they could change that. I think they have a, a couple different ways of playing. So that's not all that I think they're capable of. So we'll see how they play. But yeah, it just they're they're the extra safe pick at the moment. If you're like risk averse, like I tend to be. <laughs> yeah, I like really want it for France. I just know that Diacre won't do it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Already, like I said, already like already with big question marks because of Amandine Henri. Like you just saw what she did to Barcelona. You just saw that. You just watched that with your own eyes. We all did. And you're like, nah, not taking that player to the Euros. Not just the goal that she scored, which is the, the one of the best goals I've ever seen scored in a Champions League final. Put it up for the Puskas. Like, like, right. Like, I just did, like, that is still an absolutely absurd, unreal thing that we all witnessed with our own eyes. But then the rest of the, the rest of the match, the way that they controlled and patrolled that midfield to limit Barcelona. Barcelona. 100-plus goal differential Barcelona marched their way through the Champions League in two consecutive seasons, destroyed Chelsea in the final last season, was destroying teams all throughout the tournament this season. Amadine Henri and Lindsay Oran were on top of that, cut all of that out, and Henri was a major part of that and scored that crazy goal. I just Potato do not understand. No. Yeah, I, yeah, I just I cannot understand that decision. I don't care what beef you have. You got to say, you know what? We got to squash that for a month because I need you. I know. It's it's really, really, like, deeply unserious. Also thinking about, like, the young players that France has coming up. And it's just, like, while I, I never, like, I fundamentally disagree with, um, 
like when people say like, oh, Spain is Barcelona. And it's like, no. Um, and like Lyon is France. And it's like, no. But there are also major components of that team that also play for your national team. And when you don't like when you don't have a super long time to prepare for a, a tournament, sometimes it's easy doing the simple things and being like, hey, these players already play really well together. Let's like let's take all the best parts of the club performance from all of these players across different teams and put them together. Yeah. But you're also missing a very crucial piece in Amandia Henri. And it's like, I just, it's not going to like, I want it to happen, but it's also just like, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, you know what it feels like? It feels like we're going to be doing the same thing that we did with the U S women's national team ahead of the Olympics. You know, they go in and you're like, okay, if you're going to leave all the sixes at home, we're assuming you have a plan. And the game start, and we're like, oh, you don't have a plan. I feel like we're going to run into that with France. Like, oh, if you're leaving Henri at home, I'm going to assume you have a plan to make up for that. And I feel like a couple games in, we're going to look around and be like, oh, she ain't got no plan. <laughs> That's gonna, right. It's going to make me mad all over again. Right. And it's like, I mean, also thinking about the defensive performance of Renard and um and Bakbati and yeah also playing with Bacha like just like look look at the things you, look at the yeah. things you could have had it's a wildly deeply talented I mean they're still talented enough to win it so we'll see like you know they they like any one of those players could just completely go off for the tournament and and you know have like an outrageous performance and it seems like that's going to be what's necessary and I don't necessarily bet against it but you could have made it so much easier. You could have made it so much easier for yourself and the and the entire team, but you decided not to. I can't lie. I hope they pull a 2019 U.S. Women's National Team and just win despite. I would love it. That would but then she probably stays fun. on. Like <laughs> that's that's the thing. Without without oh. the bad results, there's no way she's going. So like it's almost like the Jill Ellis thing. Like yeah, two World Cups, yada yada. We got to talk about it. But listen, if you really know, if you really know, and we ain't gonna get into all that. But if you really really know, mm, that's know. all I'm gonna say about that. Oh, we hate to see it. Uh, but a little long harping on the Euros. Uh, but we also have some CONCACAFW Championship coming up. Yes, yes. Starting July 4th, first game, U.S. versus Haiti on Paramount Plus and also maybe another channel. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Sorry, bosses. Hope you're not listening to this. <laughs> um, but from July 4th to July 18th, CONCACAFW Championship taking place in Monterey, Mexico. Everything... Is on Paramount Plus. I can fairly say that. The other details are fuzzy in my head because it's been a long day. Um, but just a quick running through Group A. We have the U.S., Mexico, Jamaica, and Haiti. And in Group B, we have Canada, Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for this. Part of it is that the company I work for has the broadcast rights for it. So I've just been living in CONCACAF uh, W Championship land for the past few weeks and the next few weeks but i am truly truly so excited for this tournament despite the u.s's foolishness that we're gonna (laughs) dig into later but like i'm really excited i wish the group was groups were a little different can't Mm -hmm. lie yeah i would like switch jamaica and panama out Mm. of the groups because it breaks my heart but jamaica has like a tough road of getting automatic qualification they can go to an intercontinental playoff and we can get six teams out of CONCACAF in the Women's World Cup, which we should have already, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm so thrilled for this tournament. If you want a small sneak preview, uh, I sat down with Sandra Herrera 
and uh, Ana de Souza a few weeks ago. I don't know how long ago. It's been a few weeks. <laughs> it was a little while ago. It was at the end of April. I can say that, <laughs> but we'll link that. <laughs> we will link that episode in the show notes if you want to learn a bit more about the CONCACAFW Championship, what it means, changes in the region, um, but also our sleeper picks for that tournament. But Andre, I didn't get to ask you, who is your sleeper pick for the W Championship? You know, that's tough. And actually, you know, before I get to that, I'm a good teammate. So I looked it up. Um, U.S. Women's National Team versus Haiti on July 4th is also going to be on CBS Sports Network. So there you go. Thank you. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, actually, you know what? You know what? For real, for real? I am very, because I haven't been able to see them. So this is kind of like one of those things where I don't 100% know exactly what I'm saying because I haven't had like the opportunity to watch them consistently. But that Haiti squad seems very, very interesting. I feel like they could surprise a few people the way that like I've seen them play uh, in, in spurts and some of the players that I know they have. So like, I don't know about the, the entire team overall, but I am very interested in that Haiti team. I think like my initial inclination was to say like Mexico um, mm. because Liga Mekis has been like so good. And I think some of the, there are so many talented players that we've been able to watch now um, being able to watch that league. But yeah, I've, I've got like for so, something just makes me look at Haiti and be like, I think that's a team that could cause a few problems. Again, I think they are in the wrong group because <laughs> it is going to be <laughs> difficult with U.S., Mexico and Jamaica. But I still think that they're, it's going to be one of those things. I feel like they're going to be one of those teams where for the first like five to 10 minutes, some teams are going to be like, yo, what the hell is this? <laughs> Before they really figure it out. Like, oh, hold on a second. Like, we're getting hit in the mouth right now. And if they can happen to score goals in that period, things get interesting. Yeah, things could get very, very interesting. I've been doing a lot of research on all of the teams, but especially this Haiti squad. And I know... um with teams like Haiti, teams like Panama, they've had they've really had a core going through like from U seventeen to U twenty to now the senior national team. They've um I know um Haiti has some absolute and I mean absolute ballers um on their squad that people haven't well, if you are an avid watcher of D1 Arkema, then maybe you know some of um yeah. some of their team like some of their players but I mean they really have some absolute ballers on these squads like for Haiti Roselord Borgella, Norilla Mondesir, uh, Kithana Louise like they're just players like all three of them are ballers honestly this is like why I'm so excited about this tournament because you know for how long how unequal the playing field has been for CONCACAF and that's not to say this playing field is still not unequal because it very much still is but the gap is starting to close a little bit and so, I mean, obviously I'm really excited for Mexico. I think like what um, Monica Vergara has been doing with that program has been really, really great. And especially with the creation of Liga Amekis Femenil, like there's just a lot of really great things coming out of that program. But I also, you know who I'm really excited about? Panama. Ooh, Ooh I like They're it. not like my, I won't say they're my sleeper pick, but they also just have some, have, like that's the best thing about this, like, all these teams have some absolute yeah. ballers. Like, I'm just so, so excited um, to watch all of it. I don't know. If Jamaica was in the other group, it's not a sleeper pick to say Jamaica, but they would be my sleeper pick. Um, yeah. But since they're not, I think Costa Rica 
has some has some things they want to settle. So I think depending on what Canada does, how they're doing, um, like Costa Rica could also secret. Like I don't know, it's hard because I want all of them to win. <laughs> I, know, I, don't, I know I don't say that about like the Euros or literally any other, uh, like any other region, but I just like I want all of them to win and I want all of them to go to the World Cup. But yeah, I'm gonna say honestly, out of a sleeper pick, I maybe I'll put Panama there. They just like ball really hard, and it's it's a lot of fun. And a lot of these games are going to be a lot closer than people are gonna think they are because. Yes. Also, some of these players can hit a ball from like 40 yards out. Yes. yes. It's going to be lit. It's <laughs> also going to be lit. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's, it's going to be quite dope. Um, so what do you say we just move right on then? Because we, we talked about the CONCACAF Con- Con- W Championship and just like from a high level view. Um, we had the U.S. Women's National Team roster drop. So should we just go ahead and take a quick break and then get into all that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, and we are back. We're digging in all things U.S. Women's National Team, hitting on a few NWSL things while we're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team because uh, they just go hand in hand. Uh, Andre, I want to quickly run down this roster for you. We got a 23-player roster for the CONCACAFW Championship with three additional players added for the June friendlies. Off the top, I want to say I'm a little bit surprised the U.S. did it this way where they announced the 23 and then three extra for June friendlies. Because Mexico called in, I want to say, about 33 players for their June friendlies against Peru and then decided from there who they like. And they were going to like kind of whittle it down from performances. So I can't lie. I'm a bit surprised. Like, I get why the U.S. did it this way. So it's like not stress on the players. But also at the same time, I do kind of wish they called in like a slightly larger group and then saw how people were performing like with those, you know, within the larger group and then make a decision from there. Um, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, we got a twenty three person roster. Just rolling off names uh, for goal goalkeepers. We got Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair for defenders. We got Alana Cook, Emily Fox, Naomi Germa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me, you pronounced okay. Alana Cook's name wrong. World class defender Alana Cook. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? <laughs> um, uh, let's say May Rookie of the Month: Naomi Germa, Sophia Huerta, Max. Kelly O'Hara. Becky Sarabon and Emily Sonnet. For the midfielders, we got Potato, <laughs> Lindsay Horan. I will ne- genuinely never get over the fact that they call her Potato. Like, I understand the story behind it because her knee swells, but, like, you ain't you're calling so me mean. Potato. Right? You're not I'd calling like, me I reject potato. that. I rebuke that. You will not. <laughs> I rebuke this in the name of the Lord. How dare you? Uh, we also <laughs> got uh, Taylor Korniak, Roosevelt, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan. And then from the forward line, we got... Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, probably future NWSL MVP, Mallory Pugh, best one-on-one defender in the league, Mitch Purse, Meg Rapino, Baby Goat, Trinity Rodman, and Sophia Smith. And the three additional players that are called in for the June friendlies verse, Columbia are Carson Pickett, which I'm personally just really thrilled about, yeah, Sam Coffey, and Jalen Howell. And Andre, I got some facts about these, this roster. Okay, let's see. Be ready them. for them. Because I think some of them are going to surprise you. Only 10 of the 23 players on the CONCACAFW Championship roster have experience in World Cup and Olympic qualifying. Oof. Just 10. I can believe that, but oof. Which is like a huge, and yes, before, actually before I dig into the rest of these facts, there are a bunch of players missing due to injury. We don't have 
Tierna Davidson, no Lynn Williams, no Sam Mewis, no Abby Dahlkemper, because she was recently injured. Who else am I missing? There are like truly so many players. Crystal Dunn just had a baby. Yeah, Marcella. Morgan Gattraw, Julia. Literally Ertz. so cute. Literally Marcella is so cute. I cannot get over it. Uh, but yeah, no Morgan Gattraw, no Julie Ertz. Um, there are just, there are a lot of players missing from this roster. For a while, I was like, I'm deeply concerned about all of these injuries because make it make sense. Um, so yeah, only 10 of the 23 have participated in World Cup or Olympic qualifying. Only eight players, only eight from this current group were on the U.S. Women's National Team roster for Olympic qualifying in 2020. Nine of this player's 23-player roster were part of the U.S.'s 2018 uh, World Cup qualifying roster, which I know is a, like, thinking about past cycles of this team, there were definitely more than nine being called in. Out of the 26 players for this June camp, though, if you want to broaden it out, seven are in their 30s, while 10 are players aged 25 or younger, which is deeply shocking to me. And also, <laughs> yeah. a little player stat, when she plays, Taylor Korniak will be the <laughs> tallest field player in U.S. Women's National Team history. Uh, at six foot one, she and Casey Murphy, who's also six one, are the tallest players in team history. But Casey Murphy is the tallest goalkeeper, and Taylor Korniak, when she gets on the field, will become the tallest field player. So, Andre, a lot of things going on. Heard some quotes from that press conference. Made us mad. But to start off, which I think we were both most shocked about, I was a little bit less shocked because I was seeing things, and I feel like in a few episodes past, I was like, I don't know, maybe she'll like show us a different thing. But Taylor Korniak on this roster, how are you feeling? Because yeah. when it dropped, I saw you tweet her last name in all caps. So tell <laughs> us how you're feeling. Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I'll say that. I was very surprised. Um, however, maybe I shouldn't have been. Um, the U.S. definitely has a depth problem uh, at midfield. Um, we know Julie Ertz is, the, is not there. We know Morgan Gattraw is not there. We know that we've got some injuries. Sam Mewis is not there. We know we've got other injury issues. Andy Sullivan hasn't played like a full game in a while, um, was out of the last spirit game, um, should be back and getting some minutes against Rossing uh, Louisville when we play them on Friday, but uh, don't know how many minutes. Um, it was a little concerning. She was on the injury report with a calf injury, then off for a bit then got injured in game, came off at halftime, and now she's been on it with a quad injury. So I don't know. Um, I don't know her, her her injury status or her fitness status. So I don't know how long she can go, which is kind of where I thought Sam Coffey would be a better selection into the 23, because I do think we, we saw the U.S. try to play without a, a true number six, a true defensive midfielder. Um, we tried to turn Lindsey Horan into that. It did not work. Um, she worked very well in a pairing, like we mentioned with uh, Haran and Henri early on. Um, so I think a, 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 dual, a dual six pairing would be good, but it did not work as a single uh, six. So I am concerned about that, but I am interested and uh, about Korniak specifically. I think it's very interesting to to see her selected. And I also love it for a couple reasons. One, I know y'all remember early in the season and on our podcast and even on Twitter, I was like, hey, I don't see this midfield thing working out for. Her. I haven't seen it. It didn't look all that great at Orlando when Becky Burley tried it. And honestly, when she was playing low and like defensive midfielder early on with the way with the Wabe, uh, it didn't look great either. But then I think Emily Van Eggman came in and 
Corniak kind of got this cool like hybrid role as a midfielder. So she like midfields sometimes, but then she's also like a 10, nine and a half, 9.75, something like that sometimes because she gets into the box quite a lot. Um, you know, that comeback that she had, well, I can't remember who it was against, but those two headed goals was just basically like, get in the box. You real tall, we're going to hand it at your forehead. Yeah, yeah there That's you go. One of them score court. with her foot. Okay, well, there you go. She scored one with her foot and one with her, with her forehead. So I think like that to me is a very good weapon to have. The, the questions are going to be on the national level. You know, she hold up in midfield and actually play that role under pressure against a team like, you know, perhaps Canada, who are going to be hard to break down. And I don't know. Will she start that game? Probably not, but who knows? Um, so yeah, like those are those are my questions. But I mean, a, apart from all of that, I thought it was super dope for her, uh, given her performances with San Diego, to see her get that call up. I thought it was really, really cool. And and again, like I have things that I that I say that I believe at the time, but I am more than okay to change my mind. Like if I was wrong about something, I'll straight up tell y'all, like I was wrong about something. I was wrong about that. Like Casey Stoney found a great role for her and she's been killing it. So like, this is kind of like a real cool story in the NWSL for me. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like with Korniak, she just plays a, a very, tradi- like a traditional center midfield role. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see like, while she does have a, a free, like a definitely more of a free roaming role, like, the fact that she, you know, sometimes gets back and like gets into place, but then it's also sometimes bombing on the box. Like that's, I guess, if you think of like, if we go back to the days of four four two, which like I understand San Diego is not necessarily playing that way. Like I just think of her as like a traditional center midfielder. <laughs> like I'm just like, oh yeah, she's playing in that position that she like played in in college and was comfortable in. And I'm like, oh, she's just kind of ever doing a little bit of everything. I'm like, four four two traditional center midfielder right in the center of the park. To be fair, she's like not often always playing in the center of the park, but that's kind of what I think of um, as her role. Yeah, I kind of, yes, I think there there are some elements of that. The only thing I'll say is that normally with like midfielders getting into the box, they usually arrive late. You know, there are a few midfielders that, that play kind of that box to box role. Their goal is to arrive late. She doesn't arrive late all the time. Sometimes she gets up there to be like, more of a like primary target sometimes. And I think that is something that to me makes it a little different than that like traditional role. But yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of elements in just straight up being uh, trying to be a box to box midfielder in terms of just getting into the box to try to help the attack, especially as many shots as they generate, uh, that team generates inside the box. It's kind of wild. Yeah, that is true. But yeah, I think like, yeah, if we were to like, p- like pigeon them. But also, I mean, when you have a, a six foot or a six one, person that you can just put a ball on the forehead to I'm not saying that's like all because I know that um Casey Tony Casey Tony has talked a lot about how people are just like she's extra tall and she's like no she has good feet and does all these other things but also at the same time if you can just go and take put a ball on a player's forehead who's six one and is taller than literally everyone else on the field that can also just you know lead to some good goals um yeah the thing about the six that is confusing to me is that when I look at the 60 player provisional roster like there were other sixes on here or like people that can kind of play in that role and so it makes me wonder of like okay the olympics we brought broken julie Ertz, who then continued to be broken and now she's pregnant having a baby but like after the olympics we did not see her play anymore and then the new season started and we also did not see her sign a contract with angel city like she was just kind of broken um and so I hope 
that lesson was learned. I know we're going to get into lessons probably later, but like, I, I just hope for like the, <laughs> like the sake of the players that that lesson was learned. Um, but also it's like, okay, if we understand the fitness status of Andy Sullivan, like why not bring a player? Obviously we know that Morgan Katra is injured, but like, okay, well you mentioned a Sam coffee, but also like, if you want some just like general more playing experience, why not like a Vanessa Di Bernardo? Like I don't know. I think there right. are other players that also could have been brought in who have been doing really good things. Um, like actually, I don't know if Danny Colaprico was on this sixty-player roster, but like there are other players in the league that you can that can also fill into that role. Yes, they don't necessarily have national team experience, but also to be fair, neither does Taylor Corniak. Right. I was going to say, you, you asked about lessons being learned, and I think we already have an answer. No, they were not, <laughs> at least not not in the midfield aspect, because this is where, like, the point you made about the 26 and why do it this way, like, they're automatically telling you, here are the 23 we are we are planning to take to Monterey. The other three are cool. They're going to be there for the friendlies. Why are you calling that so early? And especially if you only have three and two of them are sixes, you don't think you're going to need another six? At some point, Andy Sullivan cannot play 90 minutes in every game, 70 minutes, 70 minutes in every game. That's not it's not fair to her. But also, I don't know if her fitness status at the moment will allow it. Maybe it'll be it'll improve and she'll be ready to do it in the W championship, the CONCAP W championship. But why rely on that? So like and we know that like Lindsay Horan doesn't do that role by herself. Well, like I said before, like we hope that there was a plan heading into the Olympics we are going to hope now that there is a plan heading into this CONCACAFW championship. And I already have a thousand questions because I don't understand with the limited midfielders already saying we're really bringing only one true six. And if I'm going to be completely honest, like Andy, over the past, you know, few months with the spirit, you know, since Chris Ward has taken over, has been kind of an eight a lot. I mean, I know she can play the six, but like, I think the variety and the versatility in her game is something that you may want to see and may want to, uh, you know, bring out. You could do a couple of different things. If you bring in like a Sam coffee, okay, Sam, you take over for like the last 30 minutes or 20 minutes of a, of a, either a half or the game. And Andy pushes up a little bit higher and tries to get goals or tries to get a little closer to the box. But she's very good up there uh, picking passes, and she has a very, very good, very powerful shot. So I think she's hit the bar a number of times with the U.S. Women's National Team already. So, like, I just think there are a lot of things that you could do and to have, like, to me, the limited vision to say, no, we're good. We don't really need to see what the other players can do. They're going to drop off as soon as we're done playing Columbia. <sighs> I don't get it. Yeah, or even, like, a player who I actually think has been having – a great season with Angel City of Danny Weatherholt. <laughs> like, I was just like, wait a second. Yeah, definitely. She's on this 59-player roster. Why, if you want a player to play a six and who has, like, been playing it really well and, like, I'm assuming in team training has to defend against some of the best forwards in the league, like, like, bro, you play against June Endo every week. <laughs> like, uh, that's, yeah, that's another player who could very much easily be called up to this roster. And I know that with it kind of seems like with even new people brought up to the U.S. Women's National Team, they kind of have to be in, like, the player pool of, like, youth national teams and things like that. Like, every single one of these players brought in, um, unless, like, the only modern exception I can think of right now is Kat, but it's because I don't think Kat could, could have even played for the youth national teams, but she was such a known quantity that it was like, of course. But, 
like, well, technically Sofia were to play for Mexico, but that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, like a player like Danny Weatherholt, if you were unsure about um, Andy Sullivan's status, or like, I don't know, if Taylor Korniak at the six, I mean, obviously we saw her playing six for Orlando, like did not work out in the best way. And this new role that she has with San Diego, it's very clear she does not a, like not playing as holding midfielder. Um, yeah, why not a player like Danny Weatherholt? Yeah. And that's just the start of the questions. Many, many questions. Um, Andre, a question for you, which I know you answered on the other podcast you were on about this roster, but Emily Sonnet, don't like, I'm confused only because, and I know that I heard a few things that she was often brought into rosters for like chemistry reasons, which I also know (laughs) another thing we're going to dig into later, but it's confusing to me of, I think, if I was, if it was off the top of my head with these seven defenders, knowing how Emily Sonnet plays in the league and how she plays at her best, I would often think that she's going to be a part of that center back pool. But history has told us with the U.S. Women's National Team that she's really only with that outside back pool, which to me begs the question, out of these seven defenders, we have three center backs and two right backs and only one left back, is Emily Sonnet that backup left back? Because, I mean, I I feel like previously we would see her come in for Kelly O'Hara. So talk to me about Emily Sonnet in this defender pool. Yeah, so first on the defender pool, I feel the same way about that as I feel about the six. I think there are some players that you could bring in just to see in camp and then make a decision. I, I like to say there really is no natural backup to Emily Fox. And that's a bit of a problem. I know some, some of the, some players have played outside back, like Naomi Gurman has played outside back. I think she's played more right back than left back though. So that could be interesting. Um, I, and I really just, I, I honestly am one of those people who thinks that like, you can't just be swapping on sides. Like I don't, I don't think it works. I've seen the spirit do it a number of times. They'll put Anna Helferty on the right sometimes, on the left sometimes. And I just don't think it works. The, the angles and the way you see the pitch is very different right to left, especially because like your dominant foot is important. It's how you see things, it's how you analyze things. It's about footwork. Um, what, when do you move? How do you step, you know, laterally and all of that, it changes when your, you know, plant foot is your off leg. Um, and that is, or your weaker leg, it, it is different. It's just a different scenario. So I don't love that that's the case, but specifically with Emily Sonnet, I don't know. I almost feel like Richie Burke, you know, having her, all over the pitch and not really knowing where her best position was did her a disservice. And now that Chris Ward is here and he's like, nope, she's actually a center back and it's been working very, very well. And almost feels like it's come too late because Vlatko and the U.S. you know, U.S. Soccer Federation always feels like, oh, she's versatile. That means she can play multiple roles and we'll be fine. She can be a backup wherever. And no, she can't. Um, we, have, we have seen, like even Kelly at the moment is not like, she has her moments when, when the spirit are in possession where she's quite good. Um, she is very good in terms of her awareness and getting back to cut off attacks. But 1v1, sometimes it can be rough. Emily Sonnet, it can be rough. We have saw her give up. And, and yes, as a center back, she shouldn't really be put in this position all that often. But also, she made the same mistake twice in terms of giving up the far side of the goal to an attacker. She did it against Kristen Press. She did it against Carolyn. And both of those goals are important. They lost points for the spirit. And it's like you need to either get tighter in that instance 
if they go around you, then trust the defender. The you still have a, you're a right-sided center back, so you still have somebody on the left to cover, cover and close that space. So you can step out a little bit um, and force them. But she wants to try to protect the cut inside so much that she gives up a look at goal, and that's just really poor positioning in my opinion. So like apart from that, though, she is good. She's she's been a solid center back for them. She can play that role. Her forward passing is also important because she is relied on to move the ball up the pitch, and she does get in positions very well to do that. But again, when you have her as a right back with the U.S. women's national team as opposed to a center back, it changes. Different position. It's not her best position. And I got a lot of question marks about it. So, like, yeah, I I think there was plenty of opportunity. Like you said, bringing 26 doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I don't know if they were – I don't know the reasons for it, um, I wish I knew why they would only why they feel like they can only bring twenty six and then have to have a set twenty three. I don't know why you wouldn't give yourself the ability, especially with so many injuries, to have like a more meritocratic process. But that's not what they did, and so again, more questions, more concerns. Yeah, I mean, even and like y'all know, I go hard for players. I went to UVA, but it's it's very confusing to me why like. When it's so clear that, at least outside of her playing in Sweden, which I feel like is like a different Emily's on it, um, when it's so clear that like she excels at center back, like that's clearly her best position, why it is constantly like a, like a, I'm of the mind of like either put her in the center back pool and then like bring someone else up from the league who is like a, a solid left back to back up Emily Fox. Like, yeah, I mean, think about it. Makes sense. <laughs> it's not a radical I mean, thing. Have true. a backup left back. Yes. Like, wow, what a concept. I mean, and like, for example, I mean, we know that Amani Dorsey has been called in at times, but like, there are other left backs in this league where it's like, okay, there is not a reason why we need to go and convert a very, like, a very, very solid center back and her center back partnership with Sam Staub has, I mean, look, they won an NWSL championship, right? Like, it's been very, very solid. Um, I mean, at I mean, for me at points, like last season, like the best center back partnership in the league, but it's like, br- like bring in someone else. But also and I see these seven. Wait, go Carson ahead. Pickett is right there. You're bringing her anyway. So why not give her the opportunity to make the 23? Like she's a left back. She has a great left, one of the I, best left foots I, in the I NWSL. She played right back. Well, she plays left. She's got a nice left foot. She gets, she plays on both sides, but her best is, is left back because of her left foot. Why do I feel like at one point last season, people kept switching her and Caprice Didasco in the best 11s? Like, literally oh, well, for the best, same position. Well, yeah, I mean, best 11s. That's, uh, yes, fair. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, she does play all across the back line. But yeah, that, I mean, that's a great shout. Carson Pickett is right there. Even though for some reason in my brain, she is 100% cemented as a uh, right back for some wild reason. Going to dig into that later. Like, why do I only think of her sitting in that left back? Um, but I mean, yeah, like it just doesn't really make sense to me, what, especially when Carson Pickett's right there. Um, yeah, make. I mean, there are a lot of things that we're gonna say where it's like make it make sense, but also bringing in these seven and being like, and also for example, knowing players who are out on maternity leave, like Crystal. Um, even though I also want her to be in that midfield with immediacy. Yes. Must. but yeah i'm like 
so I see these seven, and I'm like, okay, really? You have three outside backs and four center backs? Vlaco, are you going to do something crazy? I mean, you've technically already done something crazy. But some something crazy in a good way? Uh, are we going to get a formation change, Andre? You, you think? You, you... You think he? You think he's been listening to the pod? You you think he got excited about the potential of a three four two one? I mean, I truly hope so, because otherwise, it's like, what happens if Emily? Fu- I mean, God forbid she gets an injury. But what if even, she even just like gets a knock and needs to like sit for a game? What what's going to happen then? Like truly, like what is going to happen then? You're like he's going to put Kelly O'Hara over there. That's what he's going to do, and it's not great. It's not a smart getting decision. Worked on both sides of the pig, right? <laughs> I mean, this this is the thing where I'm frustrated about some of the decisions made. Like, I I love, like, the attack. We're good there. Like, we'll talk about that. There is, like, a glaring problem that we have there that, that's more, like, kind of, like, political um, that kind of deserves to be discussed um, about that. But in terms of, like, the talent level there, the talent pool there, it's ridiculous. So, like, I'm good with that. I think we are in, like, a really unfortunate phase right now where so many injuries impact you know the midfield and so the midfield has some question marks and I don't believe that this the the way that they're approaching this answers a lot of those questions and gives them the best opportunity to answer some of those questions so and I kind of feel the same way about the defense now that you know we're kind of talking about it is like there are like I was even thinking about like Courtney Peterson who you know yes she's been with Orlando Pride but she's she's been good like she's one of their best players consistently been one of their best players She's only 24, but then like you can bring a player like that in and mm-hmm. then you're looking at like you're just giving players experience. I don't understand this continued persistence with players like Sonnet and Kelly O'Hara and saying like, we're going to continue to ride you nonstop as our outside backs when you don't need to do that. Like we're talented enough. And I mean, or at if some you point to... you're going to need to transition away from that at some point. I was like, or if you want someone who um, statistically has been leading leagues in chances and also used to be a part of a world cup winning roster and then for some reason got retired from the national team even though she's still playing and still very much excelling who plays as a left back megan klingenberg yeah facts like bring kling back look we know vlaco loves a stat we know he does because that seems to be well to be fair that's only his decision making for chris and press um but i digress (laughs) but If you look at, if you look at the stats from like, so I tweeted and I actually deleted this tweet. (laughs) I like did not catch that was, I was, I thought I had tweeted something else and then deleted it. And then I said, oh shit. Um, but I looked up all the opta data. I like took this year's current stats, 2022 challenge cup, um, 2021 league stats. I skipped 2020 and the fall series because I was like, not going to knock you for that. Um, but if you look at chance creation or like assists, like Kling is up there. So is Carson Pickett. But like those two, if you want to talk about like statistically excelling over multiple seasons, they are there 100%. And also we saw at times that, um, what in the 20, oh my God, truly what year is it? Uh, 2021 challenge cup. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 2021 challenge cup. Um, we also saw Kling like drop into the midfield a little bit yeah, just to help out with injury problems. Very safe bet. And it like experience, like talking about leadership, like, I don't know that like, if you want to go young, yes, obviously. But also like, if you want to have a very, very experienced outside back who plays on the left side, 
and is does really great things at it clings right there yeah you know and i you know i don't want to i don't want to talk about the defenses without or the defense without talking about sofia huerta because like obviously <laughs> that's kind of an obvious one the only question i have is has he learned enough lessons to realize that your starting outside backs are sofia huerta and emily fox don't let me see you out there running kelly out there as a starting um, 11 i can't i like just don't let me see that like Huerta's been balling. It wasn't just a blip. She's been balling. She was killing it last season. She's killing it this season. That right foot is very dangerous. We saw it. And I, and I believe like he does know that because in the She Believes Cup, she did start and play a lot and was very instrumental with a lot of her service from deep, just like, you know, her trademark. So like, I do believe that, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just where where I I just feel like the reliance on those on, on O'Hara and Sonnet is is weird to me. You know, I like I cover the Spirit, so like it's great the Spirit have like seven players who are with the U.S. Women's National Team. It's cool representation for the squad. Leaves them in a bit of a hole <laughs> when they have to play without all those players. I can't but, lie. I was like, what's the Spirit gonna do during these games? Because <laughs> the NWSL is still rolling through literally all of these championships. Right. So so yeah, that's gonna be very interesting. But also, it's just like. Yeah, I think when you when it comes to depth, I think there's a couple to like veteran leadership. Yes, that's important. But Becky Sauerbrunn is there. Like you have veteran leadership. Alana Cook has is really experienced. Yeah, she's only 25, but she's super experienced internationally, playing uh, in in Europe as well. So like she's she has a presence, a calming presence as well. If you want to bring one of those two, Sonnet or O'Hara, fine. But I think you have to start refreshing the squad and making it younger at every position. And we just haven't really seen that at outside back. Like Emily Fox was a gift. She's been great. That is your left back. That's fantastic. Sophia Huerta and the and Laura Harvey putting her right back and getting her back in the mix. That's great. But when those players can't go, you shouldn't then have to be like, all right, we're back to Kelly again. Um, we're back to Sonnet again. Especially because, like we just mentioned, that's not Sonnet's best position. And there are outside backs in the NWSL who have been balling and they don't get a look at all. So it's like we've gotten rid of the allocation, right? Like NWSL teams are playing, paying the contracts. It's supposed to be more of a meritocratic process. Why are we still in some of these decisions acting like we've got guaranteed contracts for some of these players? Like I don't really get it. Like if the NWSL means something, it can get Christy Mewis into the squad. If we can get Sofia Huerta back into the squad and playing it right back, then why aren't we doing that across the board and finding players? Like, again, calling up Carson Pickett, wildly overdue, but why are you automatically bringing her in to say, yeah, you're not going to be with us when we go to Monterey? Why? She should. If she performs well enough, give her opportunities and let's see. I don't, I, I really don't get it. Yeah, and I also feel like with that talking about like bringing up young players, I feel like for also for like a young player to truly get like a and this is kind of how I felt like with I mean truly the entire existence of the US women's national team it's like to get even a call up or like some playing time like you have to be so spectacular but like it's pretty rare that you're you know super spectacular for your first appearance or even let's say I don't know like your first five to ten uh like um caps and stuff like that and I feel like it's kind of this thing where it's like okay, super, superstar, 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 okay, we're going to bring in, like, new superstar, but then it's, like, there, it's almost like there's, like, a mini train wreck when that happens, and you're, it's not, it's not like you're, like, it's almost, I don't know, it's actually kind of funny, it's, like, the reason why we talk about it as, like, cycles as opposed to, like, okay, this is in, this is, like, a, I don't know, instead of a cycle, like, start to end, it's, like, 
this in theory should be like a stream where like players are coming in and out and it's a lot more fluid as opposed to like it starts it stops okay now it starts again now it stops again if that makes sense yeah i mean if you were like it does take a while to learn you know obviously you're integrating with a new team all the experience are different we've heard you know the stories and rumors about how intense you know national team training is so coping with all of that you know the the pressure that a team that a player puts on themselves and to represent the country and all of that like you're at the top 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 level of women's soccer you know with uh, with the u.s women's national team you know won many world cups when you think about all that history and all the players who have played like yeah and all the players are going to be beside like yeah, sure. You're you're gonna have to go up against some very, very good, like some of the best players in the world, and it's not an easy environment to be in. So like we we hear all of that, and I think you even think about like Trinity Robbins first, you know, a couple of appearances. Like there were flashes, but you could still see she wasn't comfortable. And how could she be? I mean, she was a teenager running around out there with some of the best players in the world. It happens. Um, so like it does take some time to go with that, and I do think that like times like right like like right now. And like we were talking about ahead of the Olympics and some of those games and the build up to the Olympics, like this is when you do the transition process. This is when you bring players in, see if they can hang, see if they can be, see if they can go through it and be there and perform because you're going to need them down the line. And this is another thing, like I know we keep talking about it, but just the 26 with just three and the three already know they're not going to be as part of the 23 unless there's an injury. Like, that's just, to me, that's just not the way to do it, particularly with so many injuries. I think you had a chance to bring in a lot of players and give them experience in this environment to where if you need to call on them, they're at least somewhat prepared. They've been through this at least once and can understand it and play with the team, got to run out, got all those jitters out of like, oh my God, I'm on the pitch for the first time with this U.S. Women's National Team. And maybe you need them later on down the line. So I, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> I mean that's but that's like exactly my point right like we saw Trini come in and like obviously have flashes but jitters and it's like to me if the if it was like a much better more fluid process over we wouldn't have like oh I mean I mean right now like only 10 of the 23 play, players on the champ, W championship roster have experience in World Cup and Olympic qualifying and it's like okay yeah I understand that you're not going to be, be able to bring like everyone new but I think if there was like I think of two things like a if it was a more fluid process you would maybe bring more players into camp and so that way they're like if like Taylor Korniak's first camp and she's going into this really big tournament where there's going to be a lot of expectations and like yeah that could be for like form or other reasons but I mean Blacko mentioned that he was looking at her like earlier in 2021 and we saw this 59 player provisional roster like I don't know I just think there's a much better way especially for the U.S. Women's National Team, knowing, for example, how deep it could be, like expanding that, like that 59-player roster. And we thought that there were still some players that were missing on that roster um, of kind of making everything more fluid and less making it cycle begins, cycle ends, cycle begins, cycle ends. Like, yes, obviously that happens by the nature of the World Cup and Olympics, but like, I don't know. I think there are more clever ways to do it. So it's, I don't know. Like, young players are always getting called in. And, like, because also to me, if I think about it, because you always have to, when you get to that, like, get in the national team player pool, it's like you always have to be killing it. I feel like that also adds to just stress on players' ends of, like, if I don't kill it in this camp, then I'm never going to get called into a camp again. But if it was, like, a bit more fluid, 
where it's like maybe players coming in, maybe players coming out, depending on form. It's like, I don't know, maybe I'm just spitballing here. Um, but I feel like that the entire process could be a lot better, especially for like bringing young players in um, and like phasing certain players out who clearly cannot keep up with the, the speed of pace of game. I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about she who must not be named, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm completely with you. Cause we, I mean, we've also seen it, right? Like that's why we kind of like, we're like, everybody got excited about Huerta being back and like her performances in the NWSL because she was in the talent pool. And then it was like, oh, you can't make it. And so then you're gone and it's like, you're forgotten. Same thing with Kristen Mewis. It's like, you're gone and you're forgotten. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like if these players can find a role and we can find a role for them and have them, you know, perform and they had to do it through the NWSL, but I don't think you can always rely on that. And I also think that like, again, and I don't know if now is the time to get into it, but like we were told NWSL performance matters. We was told. I mean, and yeah, and speaking of NWSL performance, Blocker said it's going to be hard to get playing time, honestly, for Malpew and Sophia Smith, which yes, but also I think at a certain point, like give them a break. <laughs> like, please give them a break. They're, it's a long season. And then WSL, and if they're performing for, if you're already up, let's say by four goals, let's let some new heads run in. Um, but yeah, Malpew, Sophia Smith, both on fire. I feel like the way the two of them have been playing is absolutely spectacular. Um, and I feel like, honestly, for most players in this roster, like, this is the weirdest part about it, those comments. Like, I, feel, I would argue that almost every player in this roster has been playing really, really well. Um, some of them, despite challenges, like playing once every 25 minutes, like the Washington spirit, <laughs> but like, I don't know, we were told the NWSL form matters, but then there are also players like a Chris and press who are included in this list and other players who, while they're one of my faves, like has not been playing 90 minutes. Yeah. So let's just get into that. Um, I guess, like, surprise, surprise. Um, we are going to, like, with, with Shea Butter FC, I'm going to join them uh, and talk about this a, a lot more in depth. Um, but, like, this is the thing that stood out to me. You know, one, and the the reasons behind it we're going to talk about on, on their podcast um, or and try to figure out whatever's going on there. But I just, like, why they felt the need to tell us that even if healthy, Kristen Press wouldn't have made it is wild to me. I don't like to me, that's like just making that decision in and of itself means like you wanted that information out there. You wanted us to know that information. And why did you? And they will not answer directly why. And so that leaves a gap to be able to fill in a lot of things. And there is a lot of history between Kristen and the United States Soccer Federation um to go through so i don't like i'm not going to get into all of that right now but that it's very confusing but then the other confusing part of it is you know beside like yes they had they even had the built-in excuse of the fact that she just got injured just tore acl could have said ah that's unfortunate and then if you see it and you see this you know like at the roster like we talked about this on the equalizer me and claire was just like if you just look at the roster with knowing what you know in the context of like yeah Press just walked off with what looked like a pretty serious knee injury, even if it wasn't as serious as what it turned out to be. You still don't want to include her so that you like you could risk further damage by trying to get her to like rehab to be able to play in these games. So like I, I would understand that, but 
that's not what happened. What ended up happening was Vlatko said, for some reason, that Kristen Press is in direct competition with Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, and Mallory Pugh. But for some reason, Megan Rapino is not. He said, quote, within the conversation he had with Megan Rapino, Megan Rapino understood that we are going to bring a lot of players. We are going to test a lot of players. We want to give the young players lots of minutes and opportunities to play and give us a chance to eval- evaluate them as much as possible. But after everything is said and done, I said that if she's healthy and if she's fit to get minutes, then that she will be on the roster. Why? Why was that a promise that you made to Megan Rapino? I do not understand that. Um, if like this is again, this is supposed to be about meritocracy. This is supposed to be about the best performing players. We talked about some of the players getting in. Taylor Korniak, another one, got in based off of her. Yes, there are holes in midfield, but she got in over Sam Coffey, over some other players like Colaprico. Uh, you mentioned Di Bernardo as well. She got in over some players who have been performing very well. Um, and you look at it and you have to wonder what is the difference? Why does one player have to stack up against three of the best young attackers in the world and the other one doesn't? To me, that final attacking spot, especially since they both play in the same positions, I mean, they're both best wide left. So like Pino is a not as quick, not as um, good on the dribble 1v1, but she has exceptional service delivery. She has very, very good vision. I don't hate that she's on the roster. I hate the way they did it though. That's my problem is that if you look at it, Pino has not played more than 45 minutes in a game this season. Kristen Press has been out there every single time and she's been busting her ass with Angel City and have been rolling. So like, I do not understand holding one of these veteran players to one standard against the youth and the other one just saying like, no, you got to pass as long as you can jog a bit and you're fit enough to get game minutes, you're going to be in. When did that become a thing? And why? I'm just so confused and it's so frustrating because it's an unnecessary decision to make and an unnecessary promise to make. And I don't really understand why Megan Rapinoe is cool with that either, other than I guess she continues to get to play with the team. But like she has to see that that's a very, very different, like that's very, very different standards for two players that are not even the same stage of their careers. I mean, Megan Rapinoe is older. Um, She's playing fewer minutes. She's not a central figure to that team. I I just, I, I really don't get it. Yeah, and obviously I cannot comment a lot about this um, because of the nature of my job. But yeah, the entire like the entire situation is confusing to me. Like, and also let's say like I don't. It's it's just the way everything went about it. Of like not only the roster dropping, but that a line in Goff's article, and that like it was just like it was just like almost like snowballing where it I'm like really trying not to say a lot so I don't get in trouble but yeah to me it's just like there could have been so many other things said where like if I don't know if you wanted to bring in like so for example someone that I was looking at I was like if you wanted to look at like goals and who's been like who has one of the highest goal tallies across the entire year like if they brought in like Chris and Hamilton I'd be like you know what I can like if it was just like purely based on statistics, like who has the most goals and assists, let's say. Like not not expected goals and assists um, because, but like just say like we want someone who's like in red hot form right now. Not saying that Chris and Press is not in red, red hot form, but like if we wanted to take like the hottest of the hot in red hot form, like if there were like, let's just say like expected goals from this season, top five or like 
well, there's seven of them, but like, let's say top five and one vet to mentor everyone, then it's like, okay, you know what? Fine. We can kind of reason with that. It was just like the way it went about it that I feel like made a lot of us as black media, black journalists, but also other black fans, like it just did not like it just could not like you just couldn't sit right. And I like I heard that quote from Vlaco and I said, I said twice as hard for half as much, twice as hard for half as much. And like also I know Vlaco is bringing along a new era where club form actually counts for some for some. But also I like can't stop thinking about like like no one can deny that Alex Morgan did not have was not in great form with the Orlando Pride over the years that she was there. Like, I think this season already, she's passed the goal tally that she passed in her best season with the Orlando Pride. Like, I understand that club form matters more now, but also it's like, how many times were you riding on, for example, a player like Alex Morgan because you knew she had the talent to score on the national team and it wasn't coming off in club play? But I don't know. Like, it's just... The entire, like, not only is the entire situation frustrating about it, and then, like, literally two hours later, she dropped the bomb that she tore ACL. Yeah, that was the, like, double thing I was really concerned about. Like, oh, word, we got to deal. Like, we we and she has to deal with this that they created and also has to drop the news and digest the news that she's out for the season with the torn ACL long-term injury. She's going to have to go through a, a very difficult rehab process. Like, it's just... It all just like it, it breaks my heart. It makes me upset. Um, it, it makes me have so many questions that I just know aren't going to be answered. Like in the press conference, I know that people wanted you know questions asked directly, um, but you know in those in those settings, you do have to like all you can do is ask the questions and get the answers. And you could tell that he was never he was not going to give a direct answer as to why one player was brought in and the other wasn't. He just said this is the way that it is. And if you grill. That ain't gonna that ain't gonna help because you ain't gonna get the answers, and that's kind of mo- that that's where I'm most frustrated is that we are not going to get the answers about this, and so we have to basically come up with them on our own. And there are about nine thousand potential answers, and eight thousand nine hundred ninety nine of them are bad. Um, I don't even know what the good one is. I'm just saying, like, all of them are bad, and I just like. If this is the kind of thing you're going to do, say it with your chest is how I feel. Like, if this is how you feel, say it with your chest. But to put it out there and then not directly address it, refuse to directly address it, and know that it's a wrong double standard and feel like we don't have to say anything further, that's real messed up. And, you know, I just I just feel for it. So, like, I, you know, we obviously wish healing vibes and all that, but also, like, healing vibes for, for many things. You know, physical, emotional, mental, all of that, because we got her back. Um, doesn't matter. We're going to keep talking on this podcast about it on multiple podcasts, writing about it every, every platform, because it's ridiculous. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I mean, I feel, I almost feel helpless. Like that's all I can do, but damn it, we're going to do it. <laughs> that's all I got. All right, Andre, let's move on to heated and hyped. And then we're going to transition straight into the crossover pod episode that I will not be a part of because, um, Y'all need health insurance, and I like my job at the moment. So. Marshawn Lynch said, take care of your chicken. All right, and we are back for Heated and Hyped. Um, I'm going to go first about what I'm excited about. First thing that I'm excited about, Serena Williams. Going oh, yes. I am so excited about this. 
I'm not excited for uh, how I describe a future version of myself as future court who will be deeply stressed out, just quaking in my boots every time she plays, because that's how it is anytime I watch Serena play. I just get, I probably, I think I actually stress out more watching Serena than anything that Chelsea does, which like to me really says something. <laughs> Same. Because I just get so stressed when I watch uh, when I watch her play, and I think it's because I just want her to get number twenty four so badly. Like I want her to erase Margaret Court's legacy, who honestly should not be in the history books anyway. Because when she Facts. was playing, it is completely different Facts. to how players are playing now. Um, and but we don't yeah, erase her for a lot of other reasons. I mean, person. she's also a horrendous person, but we know with sports and sports washing, they will still lift up horrendous people if they happen to be good at the sport. Um, but if you just want to hit it on a sports technicality, it's like, this is different than, like, literally, it's just different. So, no, no, I know this is your hype, and I, and I want you to finish, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for cutting in, but like, y'all, when Courtney says different, go to YouTube and type in Market Court and try to watch what something that she was doing try to find footage of Margaret court doing her thing laugh hysterically and then press play again like but even yeah it's like the way they the way they play tense but also like if you think about the with the the sis like the i don't even know how to describe it i don't want to say like the touring system but you know like wimbledon like all the th- everything was different okay yeah, yeah. that's it's just what i'm saying but i am very excited for serena to come back she deserves it she just, I want all the good things in the world for her and for Alexis Olympia because I just, I love her. I just, I love both of them. The photos, the photos of them twirling. And also it's just like funny when like, if you have a superstar athletic parent or like superstar athlete parent or like, you know, like, I don't know. I keep thinking about the clip of Blue Ivy and JC at the NBA finals last night and he gave her a hug and she was like dad my hair and I was like that's like literally the most relatable <laughs> kid thing I've ever seen it's just different because your mom's Beyonce and you look just like her but also and it's like Jay-Z's your dad <laughs> so you're just like ew dad and I'm like ah oh, that's really cute but yeah that's what I'm really happy about Serena I just I um I want her to crip walk again I just I'm so excited for Wimbledon. Not excited for the Wimbledon takes, unfortunately, from that um, Super Racismo uh, press that's over there. But I'm excited for Wimbledon for her. So, Andre, what are you hyped about? I am so ridiculously, crazily, fantastically. I forgot another word that I was going to use. Trying to just do it. Kadisha Buchanan is a Chelsea FC player i listen i died i went to heaven <laughs> i i died i heard the rumors and i wasn't gonna believe them until i saw it happen i woke up and i at first i saw tweets people were like uh wake up and i was like huh i got so <laughs> many text messages being like courtney wake up <laughs> courtney get on the internet courtney wake up i was like what what what's going on what happened because i had no idea like i honestly for a number of reasons, Chelsea is thrown into a lot of rumors. Every time you hear like rumor of a big name, Chelsea's gonna be on the list because Chelsea's always on the list because people are just like that's what Chelsea does. They've done it back in the day. They got like you know uh, a, a history of that on the men's and women's side where like the rumor machine is always gonna throw the name out. So I didn't know what to believe. I felt a little bit better when I knew that uh, Buchanan was leaving. So I was like, okay, we got a shot. You know that she's leaving. 
but I also heard that she was heavily linked to Real Madrid. I was like, that would be a really good move. I think Real Madrid was is building something there. They really want to rival Barcelona. They think they can. They got the resources to do it. Lord knows that. Um, but like, I woke up and we got her. I don't even know what that means for the way the team plays. I'm assuming back three because Millie Bright and Magda are still going to be there, but I don't even care. Because we like we've seen her play for Canada. She's been a brick wall. We've seen her play for Lyon. She's been a brick wall. She is like one of the top, top, top defenders in the game. I love her. But this tweet was bonkers because my only reaction to it was like, like my mind was blown. But then I thought in the back of my mind, so I'm just like, Courtney, please read the tweet and and let people know what this was, and then I'll let people know my immediate response. All right. So Khadija Buchanan, as we all know, is a serial winner, but she is a five times winner of the Champions League. Something that was such a huge storyline on the men's side, being like, oh my God, they won five times. Khadija Buchanan has also won it five times. She is a five-time French League champion, a three-time Coupe de France champion, three-time Canadian Player of the Year, the Young Player of the Year at the 2015 Women's World Cup. Oh yeah, and she just also happens to be an Olympic gold medalist. And you know what my brain said as soon as I read all that? Fam, she's 26. She's Courtney's age. Oh my That's God. wild. That is so much winning to be done before your 27th birthday. She is still like, I don't even know if she's like, she hasn't peaked yet as a player. That is um like, I am so hype about this. It's wild to be hype about defender signings, especially me, because I like crazy goals. Like I like the attackers. Like that's my thing. But we have needed defense for a long time. And yo, we got one of the best defenders on the planet. So yeah, that's what I'm hyped about. I mean, look, we we tweeted out one of the Golasso she scored. Go go look on our podcast. You might have to Max. do a, a search for it. She scored an absolute Golasso during one of Leon's uh, league games this past season that I probably shouted about for about three days because it was a striker's finish. It was a striker's finish. And like, I can't, I can't like I woke up and I was like, this is, because honestly with transfer rumors, I just like ignore them completely until like it happens because I'm like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And for this one, I heard links and I said, not going to get my hopes up. When I woke up to all them text messages, <laughs> I said, oh, hell yeah. I, I'm so excited for it. Sorry, I know this was your hype, but I too am also very hyped about this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you would be. That's why I dropped it because I'm like, we can both go crazy about this because as Chelsea fans, uh it don't get much better. Like this was incredible. So um, yeah, that's what I got, like, Courtney. And also mentoring Jess Carter, right? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm saying like that. Like it's 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 an upgrade in so many so many ways. I'm so here for it. But uh, Courtney, you're heated. Yeah, my heated is like I'm just like heated about. Th- I don't know why there have been so many ACL injuries and just like season-ending injuries at NWSL and I'm just like heated about that because the players don't deserve it like and I don't know if there is some bodily link between like having to go through like collective trauma thinking but just about I mean literally all the shit that went down last season like that was not easy that could not be easy on a single player um and like coaching changes like just all of the things like truly like every week there was a, just a brand new allegation of abuse and I'm just like I don't even know if it's like I'm heated or I'm like sad that all these players are having first of all one of the worst soccer injuries that you can get like an ACL tear to me is like top two 
worst injury you could probably get um, in women's soccer, or I mean in soccer in general, or like sports in general. Number one is tearing your Achilles. Like that shit just absolutely sucks. Um, but for me, number two, at least with like soccer and sports, like where you have to like cut and move side to side and all that stuff, like to me getting an ACL tear is like right up there because it's also another really terrible injury. And so I just like really feel for all these players that, you know, somehow made it through all the terror that was last season only for them to just like go and tear their ACLs this season. And I don't know if there's some link, like I know that there's definitely a link with, um, necessarily like trauma like kind of trauma but like for example like anxiety like there's a definite link between anxiety and like um not necessarily injuries but like biomechanics like I've (laughs) talked with my therapist about that a lot um and like thinking just about like even like little things like like having your jaw be tight or like for example having like really tight like hip flexors or hips like and if you're like an anxious person like that is those two things are connected and so I just, like, really feel for all these players. I'm, like, mad at – I'm, like, heated about the situation that they were put in and the fact – like, it, like the fact that they not only made it through that the season, but instead of, like, you know, trying to get some joy from this season, instead having – like, being completely sidelined. And I'm just, like, heated at everyone that – like, by everyone – like, every person in a position of power that, like – let this happen for such a long time because I can't lie like this is what like Chris impresses off the top of my head the fourth ACL that we've seen this past season maybe a fifth if I don't know what's going on with Kayla Sharples but like I don't know I just want these players to have joy after everything that happened last season and the fact that so many of them are getting like are just tearing their ACLs and like you know being perpetually injured um it just makes me heated at everyone that allowed that situation to fester. And like, no, you probably can't immediately link it, but I feel like in my brain, like there has to be like, even when I was like playing sports in high school, like your body would like your body would kind of start to break towards the end of the season. And then I remember like season would end and like everyone would get sick. Like literally everyone, like their bodies would just like crumble and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I have a few weeks off to like kind of get it together and get back healthy. And so I'm like, if that can happen in high school sports, <laughs> it would not be surprising to me if all the collective trauma that was endured from last season when it got to this season, and it was like, oh, we have these now have these like safeguards in place, like a CBA, for example, um, that not only is everyone's body breaking a little bit, but I'm still just really gutted that people are just getting hurt and t- players keep tearing their ACLs. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you, I mean, trauma is carried in the body. Um, That is a real thing. I think it can lead to a lot of physical things from sicknesses to just your body being weak in moments. And I also think, you know, it's, it's also more than that is the compounded schedule um, that the NWSL came up with. And we can do like a whole other podcast episode. Like we'll be talking for another two hours if we get into that. Cause like that just, nah, nah got to make better soccer decisions and they absolutely did not do that. So like, I think that's also like a major part of it. It's just, and it's, it's a combination of all of it. And um, it is unfair to do to the players. And, you know, um, the, the only good news is that regarding ACLs, it's like the technology and the recovery from them have, has changed. Like the science and recovery has changed so much that it's not career ending. I mean, I remember when ACLs used to be like career ending, like it didn't matter what age you got up. 
yeah, yeah like would you would be done if you did it so like it's it's not the case anymore it is a long rehab process but the players will be real return it doesn't matter the age so like that part of it is good but it's also like you just you you feel for the players because they have to play the games they have to endure the trauma they have to go through the experiences they have to do it all and it's just about damn time that like that it, you remove some of that from them because a lot of it is not their fault. Um, and, and they didn't ask for that. They asked to play a sport that they love because they're exceptional at it and we love to watch them play it. So please just like that. The transaction can really be that simple. So let's make sure that we get them in the best possible scenario to stay healthy and perform as best as they can. Seems simple, but it's not done in many, many leagues and particularly the NWSL still, even with this CBA is better, but it ain't good. And it's not like, like Courtney said, it's not like the stuff that happened in the past is completely erased. It still sticks with some players. So, um, yeah. Uh, so my heated, listen, y'all know what it's about. But we're going to talk about that on Shea Butter FC. Go listen. Bye. You're going to say bye. No, please do. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.